Hi! Welcome to Creeps and Crime Storytime. My name is Charlie. My name is Sophie. And we're here today, finally, with part two of the Harold Shipman case. So I know it's been Christmas, it's been New Year, but Sophie wasn't very well and I didn't want to have to edit out her coughing constantly, so we decided to just postpone recording (laughs) until she could actually speak coherently. Yeah. So we're back. Um, Last week, we'll get straight into it, by the way, because... I just want to go. I just want to go. I'm ready. So last week I left you at the point in September 1998 when Harold Shipman was arrested on suspicion of murdering Kathleen Grundy and faking a will to get her substantial inheritance. Mm, Do you remember? They involved um, including her daughter in the letters. No, her daughter that he wrote about. Yeah. Saying, oh, you know, run it by such a person if, if they can't get it or I can't, that person first, contact them. So it looked more legit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So a mildly gifted but incredibly arrogant man, Mm. Shipman had always been able to get his own way, even starting a new doctor's practice when his colleagues refused to mindlessly agree with him about everything. Oh, yeah. And he he left and he started his new place. Yeah, and he congregated some of those, like, young women that fawned over him. Well, we don't necessarily know that they were young and we don't know that they fawned. But it was female members of staff that he... I mean, I just assumed that they were, like, middle-aged. Oh. That's just my mental picture of it. Yeah. Um, so Shipman appeared in Tameside Magistrates Court and was denied bail. Ooh. Spoiler alert, since he was put into custody here, he has never seen freedom again. Oh, so this would nice. be the first day of the rest of his life behind bars. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, so once he was arrested on suspicion for murdering Kathleen Grundy, Ooh. that was it. Bam. Wow. You are fucked. Cuffs. Yeah, cuffs on. He never got out. So two weeks later, the investigation began to pick up. So the deaths that were briefly investigated earlier that year. So do you remember there was a doctor that, and she was like, hang on, this looks kind of fucking weird. So she was like, hey, police, can you investigate these deaths? And they were like, yeah, nothing's wrong. Did she notice something in the blood? I'm trying to remember. No, it wasn't something in the blood. She noticed the, the high rate of deaths and the high rate of cremations. Yeah, cremations. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Um, and the police were like, yeah, everything's fine. Um, so <laughs> they those deaths got yeah. looked into again because people were like, there might have, we might oh, have missed something. Oh, didn't he co-sign all the cremations? Yes. Yeah, he signed like... off on all the cremations, all the death certificates. Yeah, yeah. So those deaths, there was 15 of them. Um, That's a lot of people. Yeah. Like people that were cremated. It's not just yeah. when, yeah. Yeah. So three bodies of women whose death certificates were signed by Shipman were exhumed in quick succession. Mm. So Joan Melia, Winifred Meller, and Bianca Pomfret were all exhumed from their graves and re-examined. Wow. All of them were, were taken up from their resting place. Shipman was charged with their murders as well after morphine was found in their systems. Oh, it was still in there? Does it not yes. go away? Does it, it does just... break down, mm. um, but it was recent enough where it hadn't completely left the system yet and the levels that were in there showed that it if that much was in you it would have killed you you couldn't have had that been yeah you couldn't have had that amount of morphine in your bloodstream and survived it so they were able to exhume them yes some people say no you can't exhume well it's not just that but um half of them were fucking cremated so nothing (laughs) could be done so the fact that the bodies were still there they Mm -hmm. were like okay we need yeah. yeah. So over autumn and winter 1998, more women would be exhumed and examined. And in total, 15 cases of deaths signed by Shipman will be officially linked to have been caused by his hand. Wow. 
Some of these women were buried and were able to be exhumed and have their remains tested. And like I just said, others were cremated. But the Mm. circumstances of their deaths were similar enough in fashion that they were able to be linked to shipment. So even that they'd been cremated and it couldn't be tested that they were definitely killed by morphine, Mm. everything around it was so similar and so sort of like... There was enough There was enough overlap and there was enough dots that could be joined where people were like, yeah, he fucking did it. So in addition to the women we've previously mentioned, he also was charged with killing Marie Quinn, Ivy Lomas, Jean Lilly, Irene Turner, Muriel Grimshaw, Nora Nuttall, Kathleen Wagstaff, Maureen Ward, Pamela Hiller, Maria West, and Lizzie Adams. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of That's a lot of fucking people. So all of these women had been injected with lethal amounts of morphine during a home visit. Had their death certificates signed by shipmen, Mm. were found in their homes having passed away seemingly peacefully, and had had their medical records altered to make it seem as though they were more ill than they really were. That's sickening. The people who lived in Hyde were totally convinced that their favourite doctor was innocent. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, they trusted him completely. Mm -hmm. He totally had them fooled. Yeah. So, and they also, they thought that the police were out to get him. Oh, yeah, they'll have taken the side, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, there's a really good documentary by the BBC, which I watched before writing this script. And there's some old news footage of interviews with the people of Hyde while Shipman was waiting to go to trial. So, it's where, like, it's like old footage from the time when he was in prison waiting to go to trial. And the, the news people were just asking locals like what do you think of this whole business with dr shipman yeah and people completely believe that he was being persecuted oh my god and people mm. refused to admit that there was even a chance he'd mm. done anything wrong people were sticking up for him saying that it was an awful business and that he didn't deserve it and that he was so nice and all this that makes this more tragic well yeah because there'll be like people like hyde isn't a massive place no. so those people it's will have tiny. known someone he fucking killed yeah and the defending him yeah so people in the community really loved him and even when things were starting to add up people just didn't want to believe that someone so beloved and in such a position of authority could do something so horrible Mm. doctors are here to help us and it was the best doctor in the small town that was being accused of murdering the most vulnerable in society it was something that people were just not ready to face up to Mm, people just did not want to fucking see it they just didn't want to know. Mm-hmm. It took until October of that year for Shipman to go to trial for the 15 murders. And of course, he pled not guilty. Mm-hmm. There are videos of interviews of Shipman with the police that I've seen. And mm-hmm. again, there's some of this footage in the documentary. And it's absolutely incredulous to watch how he behaves. He's like a spoiled child. No. Yeah. I mean, I believe it, but around police it's really embarrassing so you know how we've talked about how he's an obvious narcissist yeah everything's always got to go his way mm-hmm. he doesn't like answering to other people oh yeah he can't so the officers in the small interrogation room show him photos of his victims and he simply turns away and closes his eyes he refuses to speak or look at the police officers what a damn he way. literally just turns around folds his arms and is like <laughs> 
How dare he? And just shuts his eyes like this. And it's like he would sit for long periods of time with his eyes closed, refusing to acknowledge the police officers in the room. He just couldn't deal with not getting his own way and didn't want to face any repercussions for his actions. It's so embarrassing. And it's watching a grown... It's... I literally wrote here. (laughs) It's actually a bit embarrassing to watch a grown man behave like this. Yeah, truly. Yeah. So interestingly, Shipman's lawyers tried to have the case for the murder of Kathleen Grundy tried separately from the rest. Because obviously mm, they had, he'd pled not guilty to all of them, but obviously mm. the will being forged and the typewriter being found in his office was not a good look. No. It didn't look good. Oh. So it was far more likely that he would be convicted of that one. Yeah. So if that was a separate trial, then he might be able to get off on the others, which were far more circumstantial mm. and only be convicted of the one. Unfortunately for Shipman, yes. This didn't work. Okay. And he was tried for all 15 murders at once. Yeah. So the prosecution present the prosecution <laughs> presented their argument first. And the reasoning that they presented was that Shipman simply loved exerting control. And he relished <laughs> the idea that he could control someone's life or death. I really thought you were going to say he really enjoyed injecting morphine. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's correct. <laughs> well, probably that also. Yeah. So... As Shipman was a well-documented control freak for a lot of his life, this was not a hard thing to prove to a jury. No. no so the way. first witness that they called was Angela Woodruff, and she's the solicitor daughter of Kathleen Grundy. Ah, yes. This woman was a fucking powerhouse. She'd yeah. already instigated the investigation that would be the downfall of Shipman, and she was sat in court telling the jury clearly and honestly how she discovered his lies. Obviously... As a solicitor herself, she's Mm. used to the workings of the courtroom and she knows what kinds of language and behaviour will impress the most upon a jury. So she delivered her testimony without any pretense. They were all impressed by her tenacity and openness despite the trauma of her mother being murdered. Mm. She had one goal and that was to see this man behind bars for what he had done. Accounts from the trial have shown that under cross-examination from the defence, they weren't able to undermine much of what she said. Mm. So the defence lawyers couldn't really... They're like, yeah, okay, we're kind of fucked. Sorry, she... Yeah, basically. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) So the prosecution called forensic experts as well. Mm. Firstly, through a pathologist employed by the government who taught the court through the discoveries made when testing the samples from each of the exhumed bodies. So they explained the high levels of morphine found in the bodies and the fact that a person could not have this level of morphine in their system without it killing them. This must have been the cause of death for each of the people examined. Yeah. Because, like, you couldn't have that much in you. No. And then just die of something else because that would have killed you. Yeah. So two more experts were called to the stand, a fingerprint analyst Mm. and a document and handwriting expert. It was proven that the will leaving everything to Shipman didn't have a single one of Kathleen's fingerprints on it. Which is very strange mm. if it's something that she handled and wrote herself. Mm, yeah, very odd. The handwriting expert also examined that they didn't believe that it was Kathleen's genuine signature, and as far as forgeries go, it was fairly crude and not very well done. Shipman. Which I think is hilarious. That's so The fact funny. that he didn't even <laughs> do it right. Like, he's so shit. Like, you this. suck at one thing, here it is. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't and here's even some other do it, things right? you suck at. Dick. So, the trial then moved on to examining incidents of deaths other than Kathleen Grundy. There might be the most amount of evidence with her death, as it was the most recent, and Shipman had actually had the audacity to forge documents, meaning there was a handy paper trail. Mm. But things came out in trial which showed that 15 other deaths were definitely more than a coincidence. Yeah. So, remember how police seized the computer in his practice under the warrant? 
Oh, Do you yes. remember this? Yeah. Oh. So, well, once they'd got hold of it, they had an analyst take a look at it and it showed something really fucking sinister. What? So, we'll get into this. Remember how we said that he added into Kathleen's medical records that he suspected her of abusing codeine to cover up the fact that she'd be found with drugs in her system? Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? Yeah. So, well, she wasn't the only one. He oh. actually had a pattern of altering his computer records for the patients once they had died, fabricating symptoms of illness and addiction, and backdating it. No, so, in a lot of cases, so this was only a lot of out, uh, in a lot of cases, it was shown by the computer analyst that he did this literally hours after they died. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, so he would go and kill them mm. and then go into his office, log onto his computer and then add in loads of entries for random illnesses and addictions that they didn't have as soon as he'd killed them. Oh, that's horrible. It's it's just so creepy. Ugh. I mean, I'm kind of lost for words. Then. How, the, the, what, how do you just... But it's the that? forethought. It's the fact that yeah. he planned it and was this deliberate with each and single every one. Every time. Every yeah. time, yeah. So more witnesses were called to testify and like Angela, they were relatives of Shimmer's victims. Mm. So lots of what they told the court painted similar pictures and some sinister details began to emerge. Yeah. So Shipman, like we said, enjoyed a reputation of being a compassionate, caring family doctor. He was loved by the community he was supposed to serve yeah. however relatives came forward telling the court that he didn't want to listen to the wishes of the relatives who were also at the scene what did he turn away or something so well it's more like the relatives of the deceased person were called to the scene as well because it's like hey your relative just died so yeah. they'd come okay and they would want things and shipment would go against it he tried to have Kathleen cremated against her and her family's wishes, after oh, all. Remember this? Yes. And the high number of other cremations amongst his patients makes you think that he'd successfully done that before. Yeah, he's definitely able to, like, twist people's nudge arms someone. and yeah. be like, hey, be really we should get them it. cremated. Yeah. Mm, the so, place. relatives told how Shipman was not very compassionate at the scene at all. So, mm. at the scene of the death, and he did not seem enthusiastic about attempting to resuscitate any of the people he had discovered to be dead he's probably too busy trying to hide his joy from killing someone but i mean like if he's not willing to resuscitate somebody mm-hmm. like, like he clearly doesn't DNAs. want them to live yeah, yeah. so <laughs> if you think this can't get worse you yeah. are wrong oh, okay. so they also analyzed just to put that out there so they Wait. also analyzed shipment's phone records they Ooh, they dug into no. everything they went hard is he calling the dead people being like oh you're right did you get off to sleep okay is that what he did no it's worse. No. So witnesses at the scenes of the deaths have been questioned by police mm-hmm. and they have said that Shipman would call the emergency services for them as obviously he is the doctor and they are distressed. So he would call. No, did he pretend to call? However. Don't. However. Don't say it. Don't fucking say it. <laughs> his phone records show that on those dates at those times, no calls were made and no calls were logged to the emergency services. Shipman would pretend to dial for an ambulance or call that they could see it and then hang up before the call connected and pretend to talk on the phone. I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> if you had a click, that was my jaw going back into place because it dropped so damn hard. Yeah, she actually um, unhitched him off like a snake. Yeah. <laughs> so if you thought that his drug abuse had ended with his treatment for pethidine addiction back in the 70s, you'd be mistaken. Was he now on codeine? 
I don't really know exactly. Well, we'll see. So not only had Shipman been up to his old tricks of over-prescribing painkillers to his patients and making fake prescriptions, hmm. this time with morphine instead of pethidine, he'd also been raiding medicine cabinets of the people he'd just murdered. Oh my God, of course he fucking did. So once his victims were dead, he would offer to make another home visit to collect unused drugs <laughs> for disposal. Disposal in his tum-tum. <laughs> exactly. So did you just say tum-tum on my podcast? Our podcast. <laughs> oh my God. So... Anyway, although I'm sure we can imagine what was really happening with those. Yeah. So his defence team really had their work cut out for them. Oh, they did. <laughs> it was very difficult for him to hide what a huge asshole he is while he was on the stand. They probably so just got he together was on and the stand. thought, maybe this is a loss for us. Okay. <laughs> maybe we'll just take this one. <laughs> yeah. So when he was on the stand, he came off as arrogant. And according to the reports from the time, the jury mm. didn't like his attitude, mm. which does not surprise me. Yeah, no. So apparently as well, when he got caught telling an obvious lie, he would just change his story completely, <laughs> which didn't help in getting the jury to like him. Definitely not. I don't no. think that did a lot. Like jumping so, from one thing immediately the trial was over by january 2000 so this is like a year and a bit later and on the Mm. 31st of january the jury deliberated on their verdict for six hours which really isn't that long when you think about it's a fair amount of time as well what do you mean six hours is not you hear some cases being decided in like two hours yeah but those are like really quick but six hours Mm. for the for the amount of charges against him six hours is nothing yeah, true. And I suppose over that length of time as well. Yeah, so the trial mm. went on for over a year. There's yeah. 15 counts of murder, plus Kathleen. Yeah, it's a lot to put into six hours and to cram. For, to cram all that into six hours, they just filled in paperwork. <laughs> six hours worth of paperwork, yeah. yeah. they were just ticking the forms. Just tick the box on the left, guys. Yep. So the he was found guilty... All 15 counts of murder and one count of forgery. Hell yeah. So the judge sentenced him to life imprisonment for all 15 deaths, and the judge made a note that he wanted Shipman to be in jail for the remainder of his natural life. Mm -hmm. 11 days after he was convicted, Shipman was finally struck off the medical register. Finally. It took that long. It took until after he'd been convicted of killing 15 patients for him to be struck off. It's ridiculous. (sighs) Let's continue. During the whole trial... And ever since, Harold Shipman has insisted that he's innocent of any crimes. He has never given any public interviews about the crimes or made any public statements. Interestingly, his wife Primrose has also stood by him and insisted that she believes in his innocence. Of course she is. Well, she's going to believe that. I mean, she might not, but she does. So, (laughs) I said in the previous episode that I wanted to do a little chat about what I think about Primrose and her potential role in this. Mm. So we said last week that Primrose fell out with her family short after she started seeing Shipman. And when the two got married in 1966, only each of their fathers showed up to sign the certificate as witnesses. So when Shipman was brought in before the magistrate's court for forging prescriptions to feed his pethidine addiction, that was the last straw for Primrose's parents and they didn't have any further contact with her after that. Right. They were like, if your husband has been injecting pethidine into his dick, we don't want anything to do with <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a bit gross. Yeah, so yeah, that was it, it for them. They were like, you know what? You Keep have him. clearly... <laughs> yeah. You picked your Basically, man. Bye. <laughs> yeah, you've made your choices. That's it. Mm. Um, the couple had four children and their two youngest, according to reports, have apparently never met their grandmother on Primrose's side. Right, okay. So yeah. Primrose's mom has never met her two youngest grandchildren 
Okay. Because they just don't speak at all. Mm. So The Independent wrote a really good article about Shipman's relationship with his wife that I've used, I've, I've referenced quite a lot in this. So yeah. I do think, uh, I'll link it in the show notes and I recommend you take a look at, you take a look at that if this section of the episode interests you. Mm, it interests me. It's a really good read. So Primrose, to none of our surprise, has always played a subordinate role in her marriage. Mm-hmm. So being with someone as narcissistic, self-aggrandizing, and arrogant as Harold Shipman, it must be incredibly difficult to make your voice heard. It doesn't seem as though Primrose ever tried to make her voice heard. and perhaps that's what drew him to her in the first place he saw someone it would be easy to bully and control and it definitely seems as though this is what happened his bullying and control made it easy for him to always be in charge and perhaps with having a naturally quiet personality she seemed to actually enjoy doing everything he ever wanted of her yeah she's able to follow his lead and it's always giving her positive feedback. She'll be happy to just chill and roll with it. I think that's kind and of how it was. And I think as well where we said that... that yeah, well. so where we said in the last episode that she wasn't really very highly educated, I don't think she would have ever had any sort of, like, lofty goals for herself. Mm. So I think that she was quite content to just yeah. have this... It just be a little yeah. wife of a town doctor. Yeah, and um, I think yeah. that's... I don't think anyone ever expected any more of her than that. No. Which, I don't like that. you also got to look in your eye to say it doesn't mean it wasn't there. And I can't tell. Where is we'll get to go? it. I've not finished yet, so we'll, we'll get to it. Because people's perception is very different to what it actually is. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> There are lots of examples all the way through their relationship of her being subordinate and just doing whatever he wanted. Mm. So when he was in medical school, she raised their children single-handedly while they struggled financially. Um, when he was abusing drugs and having blackouts, she would tell people that he was epileptic and drive him around to visit his patients at home. So she would drive him around to do all his home visits because he couldn't drive. He's just like keeled over in the passages. You're like, yeah, you know, he's just. But I mean, he like the pet that he he would have like frequent blackouts, so he couldn't drive. So she would drive him to do his home visits for the old people. How was he performing doctor duties while that? I mean, remember that his colleagues were like, something's up with him. If he can't use a vehicle independently, how is he going to function on a person's well-being? This is his. This is the problem. This is. Why he should never... This, this is, is what frustrates me because this whole pathogen thing, it I'm should have confused. stopped here. It should have How stopped. How did no patient go, my doctor seems kind of high right now? Can I see someone else? <laughs> you know. This is what, right? I guess there's no regulation. This but... is what I love about this. So I will come up with all this research <laughs> and then you'll say something like, my doctor seems kind of high right now. <laughs> Can I see someone else? You can always see someone else. Don't feel obliged to see the same doctor now every time. Get a second opinion, though, like, really. Yeah, for sure. Like, Is this anyway. Dr. High, fellow GP, or is it just me? <laughs> Am I interpreting them wrong? Oh, God. Or can I have what they're having? I take this so seriously. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you need both of us. Yeah. You need both of us. Balance each other out. <sighs> right. Where am I? Not sure. <laughs> yeah, so... Even after he was arrested for fucking killing, like, a dozen people, she stayed devoted to him completely. So Mm -hmm. she visited him in jail every single day. And she was present for every day of the trial, and she was always the first to arrive and the last to leave. That's really sad. He's kind of taken it to prison with him. 
fucking yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah. I guess he fucking did. Anyway, despite all this, yeah. he rarely even turned around to look at her, supporting him from the bench. Good. But yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like I was That's saying <laughs> I was saying today at the studio that um I was telling some of my friends like what I'll be doing tonight, oh I'll be talking about Harold Shipman for an hour and a fucking half. Mm. And then I was like, he's a real fucking cunt. Like <laughs> I knew yeah. anyway that he was a massive asshole. Yeah. But the more I've learned about him from all it's like, wow, I didn't know how much I hated him. Yeah. Like, he's so much worse as a human being than I thought. Like, for me, now these finer details have been uh, discussed with me. Yeah. And obviously our sweet listeners. I had no idea he was this douche on, like, every tiny level. Yeah, he's a massive douche. What an ass. He's got, like, small dick energy. Yeah. And, like, I imagine him to have, like, really tiny hands. That's really specific. <laughs> you know, like guys have really tiny hands, and then they're like dead insecure about it. <laughs> they get like weirdly aggressive. Is this insecure. a thing? Yeah, didn't I know mean, that. in my experience, yeah. And I'm like, lol. <laughs> I didn't know that. Like, I'm not hand shaming here. <laughs> it's the attitude that goes with it. And I'm like, I okay, mean, actually, nah. now I think about it, mm-hmm. the most secure guys yeah. that I have known mm-hmm. have had really big hands. See. Yeah. yeah, maybe yeah. that's a thing. I don't know. Right, anyway. So, <laughs> I don't know how big. I'm going to go through interviews now of like... <laughs> just zoom in on just his look at his hands. So, the thing is, let me get back to my script. So, sure, some sure. of this could, of course, be completely consensual and just how she is with Primrose. So, yeah. some people prefer taking a supporting role in a relationship. They some do, people yeah. do. They just don't want the pressure of having to do anything. Yeah. So, they're like, if I'm supporting my breadwinner partner Mm -hmm. that's what i want to do Mm -hmm. if everyone's happy then i'm not going to shame anyone for how they want to live that's not what i'm here to do but i think a lot of the behavior here will be because she was emotionally abused and manipulated from the very first days of their relationship definitely so shipman always tried to make people feel as though they were beneath him and with primrose having much less of an educational background than him it would have been easy to convince her that everything he said was right so yeah. remember, she was the daughter of um, some local farm working couple. So her yeah. parents were like farm workers, mm-hmm. and they weren't educated because for their for their trade, they didn't need to be. No, they did manual labor. That's how they earn their living. That's what they did. They were really smart in the farm field. Probably, yeah. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah so she, education was never really that important to her so when she started dating him he's going to like medical school and he's talking about what a great amazing doctor he's going to be and he's she must think holy shit smart. he's so smart he's so intelligent he's so knowledgeable he mm. knows so much more than I ever will and that literally probably would have been rammed down her throat every fucking day oh yeah so Shipman no I read that yeah here we go he could never be wrong ever Mm. he hated being wrong and she needed to trust him because she was small and stupid in comparison that's his opinion by the way that's like what he would have thought so the Mm -hmm. staff at the Donnybrook practice that didn't leave with him in the early 90s were often on the receiving end of some of his bad temper outbursts Mm. they also saw the way he treated his wife and children and this was in the practice where other people could see it you have to realize that people like this are always even worse when nobody's around and their behavior can't be seen by others outside the family. Absolutely. Shipman was hard on his children and bullied them, sometimes making them cry in front of his colleagues. 
That's really mean. It's fucking horrible. Like when you're a child and crying, it's one thing, but when other adults can see you doing it and then they probably don't help you, you feel even more. Conscious. It's when your parents make you cry on purpose. Yeah, on top of that. That's yeah. like that stays with you. Yeah. And if these strangers are helping you, you know you're fine. Yeah, so his oldest daughter, Sarah, told some of the people he worked with at the time that she couldn't stand his controlling bullying behaviour and moved out of the family home as soon as she could get away from him. Mm. So I haven't been able to find which of his colleagues said this, but there was an instance where Primrose called him while he was at work to ask him what time he would be home. Dinner was cooked and ready, and his four children and wife were sitting around the dining table waiting to eat. So she was like, Harold's late. I'm going to call him, find out Ooh. where your dad is. And the colleague heard him, heard him shut down the phone, quote, nobody eats till I get home, end quote. Ooh. That was the rule. And he kept unusual hours sometimes with all his home visits, and sometimes he wouldn't get home till late at night, and his children were not allowed to eat their dinner until he got home and could eat first. What a dick. What a di- Small dick energy. Yeah. Small hands energy. Small hands energy. Yep. Mm. So Primrose wrote to her husband frequently while he was in prison. Her letters are very insightful. We said earlier that she wasn't very educated and didn't it's have so the sad. highest degree of literacy. Mm. This is something that continued all her life and her writing is quite poorly done and there's a lot of spelling errors. Aww. It's clear that she was still under his control even when he was locked away. Mm. But as I said, how much of this is down to her nature and how much of it is due to 30 odd years of being controlled by someone else? yeah we can't tell and we Mm. won't ever really know so i've got some quotes from her letters so these that i'm going to read out now these are quotes i love you very much and i'm not thinking of leaving you love you and the pain you feel is just how i feel i'm coping but that is all do not get upset we have an hour a day you happen to be my husband and i love you very much and i'm not thinking of leaving you Funny what sets me off. I need all my friends and support her. So those are some of her quotes. And That's obviously, really when I was typing them out to read, I typed them correctly, but there was a lot of spelling mistakes. Yeah. So not only has Primrose never been interviewed by any of the media, she has never allowed herself to be interviewed by the police either. Something that's interesting for me here is that her mindset saying all that lovely, rosy, romantic talk is that if he doesn't perceive me as a challenge, as someone that disagrees with him, he'll still love me. Very much, yeah. And if Very I'm defending him on yeah. the outside, he'll still like me. Yeah. And we'll be on the same side and, you know, I've got his approval. Yeah, it's very things. it's very sort of reassuring and as well it's mm. it's reassuring him, but I feel like she's also looking for reassurance from him Definitely, as well. Exactly. By yeah. just patting him on the back and saying, like, mm-hmm. Don't worry, I'm still here for you, don't get upset. Um, I'm never gonna leave you. She is also dying for him to turn around and look at her in court. Yeah. That's the bare minimum. Yeah. And she's still not getting that respect. Honestly, like, as someone very old myself, <laughs> if you are with some... This is just me. I'm just going to go off for it. I might edit this go out. I don't it. know. Mm-hmm. If you're with a partner who is not willing to give you the bare minimum and you are having to beg for the bare minimum, fucking leave that shit. Yeah. You shouldn't have to beg for the bare minimum. Nobody, just no way. don't do it. Because we've probably been there. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. Nope. Don't no do it. Mm. Anyway, sorry about that. I just <laughs> That just made me think of that. And I was like, I feel very strongly about this. Yeah. Anyway. Speak your truth. Thank you. 
So anyway, getting back to script again. So mm-hmm. she's never allowed herself to be interviewed by the police. So her lawyer told the police that she could only be questioned if she was arrested and cautioned first, as she had no legal obligation to talk to them until that point. Mm, that is true. Obviously, the police never had any evidence that she was involved with her husband's crimes, so they were never able to do this. Is it kind of bad that I want them to find something even whimsical to arrest her? Just so whimsical. Like, <laughs> we've made up a crime that you may have committed. You know, we want to arrest you for that. Because you make wrongful arrests all the time. Yeah, time. but they, they never, they couldn't do yeah. that. They did. I know, it's too high so, another aspect of Shipman's home life that I want to talk about is the state of his actual house. Oh, no. Is he a hoarder? It was a fucking shit tip. And I don't just mean it was messy. Mm. Police officers who searched the home after he was arrested have talked... Hold on. Was he a stacky newspaper guy? I actually don't know about newspapers. Because he he strikes me as... But I'm about to talk about something else that was stacked. So, police officers who searched the home after he was arrested have talked about dirty dishes being stacked high, Uh, covered in mould. Len Fallows... A retired police sergeant who visited the house described how his feet would stick to the carpet. What? With shoes on? Yeah. No! Nothing should ever stick to the carpet. No, so, unless it's like drilled to the Yeah, floor. I think it was like walking on cell tape. Oh! Ooh, no! So there are two kinds of control freaks. Someone yeah. else we talked about who had to have everything the way he wanted it was Aunt Hample when we discussed the death of Phoebe Hansjug. Everything in their apartment had to be exactly how he wanted it. Her art supplies were in storage. If a mug was out of place, he would lose his temper. She couldn't have her own things out. I know. Anyway, terrible. in Shipman's home, things were a dirty mess. He didn't want to do any of the tidying himself, clearly. Yeah. And... If he was okay with it being in this state, then anything else would be an insult to what his standards were. I'm not really sure about the psychology here. That's just my take on it, but I find yeah. it very interesting. It's, he doesn't make sense, and I hate him. Yeah. You should be allowed to clean dishes that have been used. I don't think she wanted to. Yeah, because it'd probably be like, oh, he doesn't want to, it's fine, you And it's not that. just that, but I think like if he doesn't do anything, she probably just lost the drive to give a shit. Yeah, there's that. So, since Shipman has been put in prison, several investigations have been carried out into his work and exactly what he did. It's been uncovered that during his career, from 1971 to 1998, 459 people have died under his care. One. <laughs> yes. Obviously... hundred? Yeah. So, obviously... You are bound to expect some deaths, especially when dealing with the elderly and vulnerable. So, some people... If you're a doctor... Some of the patients that you take care of that are on your list, if they're old and sick, Mm. they're going to die. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So you expect some. It would be weird if there wasn't any. Yeah, some organic deaths. Yeah. Yeah. But 459 is unusually high. It's a bit steep. (laughs) And there were suspicions that Shipman's victim count went far beyond the 15 that he'd been charged with so far. Yeah. Um, In addition to this... um, relatives began to come forward who started to worry that their loved ones might have been one of his victims as well as a patient. Oh, no. So, this is where it sort of takes off. So, nine months, only now. So, nine months after his sentencing, in September 2000, an inquiry was ordered. Judge Dame Janet Smith was invited to be the chair of the inquiry, which would delve deep into his career and investigate basically every death under his care. That sounds an amazing job. 
Oh yeah, she is very wow. capable. This that's, yeah, so that's cool. She is Gosh. she doesn't fuck around. I mean, imagine being able to give like all of your working time to this. It'd be pretty. That would be so fulfilling to just make sure every corner is inspected thoroughly. Yeah. And looked at. So official. Oh, I will tell you more. I have more. (laughs) I have lots more. So officials suspected that um, far more people were hurt by Shipman than just the 15 deaths that he'd been charged with. Exactly a year to the day after Shipman's sentencing, the inquiry was named the Shipman Inquiry and it gave all legal powers to do- to conduct itself. Ooh, so that cool. was exactly a year to the day after his sentencing, which I think is quite cool. They That's were like, we're going to fuck you again. <laughs> so in the report, Smith highlights how she chose to investigate each suspicious death individually with a team of investigators and assess on the basis of evidence collected whether Shipman was responsible for it. Mm. In total, the inquiry investigated 232 deaths which had been reported by family members to the police or that were deemed to be suspicious by the investigators. That's an enormous amount of work, so each death had to be investigated individually and many of these went back quite a long time. All the bodies had been cremated. Or both. Mm, Yeah. So you can see where, for some of them, they would have had a look and been like, there's nothing here. There's no information. They will hit a wall very quickly. Yeah, so to figure out which deaths under Shipman's care should be investigated, the inquiry drew up a database with each death that was known to the inquiry had all its details recorded. So they looked at basically every single death that they had and then they made details about literally everything they could find. So they're like making a baseline. Like a big-ass spreadsheet. Yeah. Then... Information was collected from both the Greater Manchester Police and the West Yorkshire Police, along with each death in both Todmorden and Hyde, where Shipman had signed the MCCD, which stands for Medical Certificate of the Cause of Death. So the death certificate. Additionally to this, deaths in the areas and practices where Shipman worked, but he didn't necessarily sign the death certificate that could still have had his involvement. Yeah. All in all, the inquiry investigated 888 individual cases. Wow. That's a fucking shitload of people. Yeah. So obviously, medical records were needed for these cases, as some of them were fairly historic, happening almost 30 years earlier. Oh my god. An interesting tidbit in the report is that once 1973 came around, a rule was introduced whereby a doctor could have the patient records back after a three-year period after they died. So, let me explain. So, once a person dies in the UK, their records go to primary care support England where they get stored, right? That's fair. Doctors can then have them back after three years if they want to. Why would they? Shipman, interestingly, opted into this, Mm. despite the fact that his house was a fucking shit tip, as we discussed earlier. We did. Police searching the house found lots of records and they were described as being stored, quote, haphazardly across his house and garage. Most of the records that the police removed from the house were dated from 1991 onwards. He sounds a very irresponsible man. Anyway, so lots of the records <laughs> from his earlier patients were lost forever. The few cases that were kept from before 1991, however, would not have been able to have been reviewed if the state had kept the records, as they are not kept that long. I don't, I'm, wait, I'm kind of lost on what his goal was in getting his back. We don't know why he wanted the back. He basically just... And- I don't know. So he opted in. Yeah. to keeping them after so many years. He was so disorganised that the ones he kept, he didn't really take care of. Yeah. But the few from before 1991 that he did have, it's a good job he did keep them because the investigators wouldn't 
have been able to have them if he hadn't opted in in 1973. I don't even know if I can consider them like little trophies. If he's so disregarding with them, I don't know. Property. I, I don't I know. Don't get it. Because, yeah. I mean, I was thinking when I was writing this, maybe he opted in because all the people that he killed, he wanted to have control over everything. So yeah. he wanted their records forever as well. Yeah. But it's not as if, like, lots of serial killers, if they keep trophies, they keep them in a certain place. Like, Ronnie Alcala had yeah. his disgusting bag of earrings that still gives me the heebie jeebies. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was. That's horrible. just a recent example because we covered it recently. So that's fresh in my head. Yeah. Um, but lots of like some serial killers will like bury trophies in a certain place and they'll yeah. go back and look at them. But it's sort of organized to a point where they know where they are. This was just a fucking mess. Yeah, usually they care about the trophies. Yeah, so this I don't know if they it's a trophy thing know. or if it's just a weird hoarding thing. I think it's a weird hoarding thing. I don't know. But anyway, so lots of the cases from the Donny Book practice have been lost as they happened too long ago and the practice didn't keep many of the records. That's a shame. A couple of dozen were found later, though, that the doctors thought had been disposed of. Oh. And some were recovered from 1989 when the computer filing system was introduced. Yay. So there were some that were able to be, like, recovered. Cool. So the first meeting of the inquiry took place on the 10th of May 2001. The oral hearings took place at Manchester Town Hall, ah, which is really close nice. to where both of us work. Yeah. Which is really weird. So from the 20th of June 2001. I wonder if I know anyone that worked on that. I was wondering this when I, I was... Yeah, so when I was, like, Ooh. writing this, I was like, I wonder if Sophie has... Yeah, I may have rubbed shoulders with these people and not even know. Yeah, that would be really interesting. So, in the course of the oral hearings, Judge Dame Janet Smith heard evidence from 179 different witnesses, from family members to other medical experts. Wow, so, a lot of so witnesses. Primrose was called to give evidence, and she tried to decline that shit as hard as possible. No. Dame Janet was like, fuck that, and slapped her with a witness summons. Hell so, yeah. Primrose and her lawyers tried to get her evidence via video, so she didn't have to talk in a room full of people. <laughs> yeah. Once again, Dame yeah. Janet was like, fuck that, declined. So Primrose sat in a court like everyone else Good. and Dame Janet actually said later on that she was, quote, an honest and straightforward witness, end quote. Aww. She honestly <laughs> gave the court documents which helped in the inquiry. Oh, bless her. Although okay. Judge Dame Janet wasn't sure whether or not this was to be intentionally <laughs> helpful or whether Primrose just didn't really understand the significance <laughs> of the documents. Yeah. That's, that's unknown. I and Dame Janet actually said, I don't know whether she was trying to be helpful or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she didn't. Like she didn't seem to helpful. be dishonest or lying. Yeah. She just seemed to be very, like, Dame Janet didn't say this. My word is ignorant. Yeah, fair. yeah. She's still pro shipman. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now we're going to get on to some of the medical stuff. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. So Shipman said lots of the time that his patients died of quote old age. Oh, yeah. end quote. <laughs> oh he died because he was old. Because he existed too long. <laughs> Basically. So, but the thing is, he would also specify that sometimes this was heart failure, stroke, bronchopneumonia, and cancer. Mm. So much of the medical examination done in the report was provided by Dr. Granville, who has a 20-year career practicing medicine as a GP and a longer career providing more specialist consultative care. So he's got heavy credentials. So he knows what he's talking about. Unlike Howard Shipman. And if Shipman sits himself next to this person, he then also looks just as almost credible if he's associating are you going somewhere with this i feel like you started making Probably a not. point and then i feel like you lost what you were saying my brain fought it i was like <laughs> yeah i feel like you started and then you just were like shit yeah i could see you doing you get it you guys get it anyway so 
Dr. Grenville explained that having a GP be present when a patient dies is unusual. Yeah, fair, because you're not expecting them to die. Exactly. So why would you be there? Exactly. Make a home visit. <laughs> you can have some coffee while they're passing. What are you so doing? obviously, having a doctor in a hospital, in an intensive care or end of life ward, be present for a death is not necessarily strange. That's fine. Mm. But having a regular old GP in yeah. a regular old small town practice be present when the elderly residents just happen to unexpectedly pop off is a bit <laughs> so fucking weird. weird. It's so weird. So when Dr. Grenville was practicing, he said that this happened to him about once in about two and a half years. So during yeah. his whole career as a yeah. GP, probably about 15 times, mm-hmm. he happened to be lot. there when a patient died. Mm. And considering how many patients GPs see per day, and people are ill anyway. And, and how many old people Exactly. Are there. And this is most commonly, obviously, in patients who are known to be terminally ill and require more frequent care and home visits. Mm. So with the size of Shipman's patient list being so large, because he was the favourite, so he yeah, had a lot of patients. Yeah. If you scale it up to match what Dr. Grenville said was his average, it can be reason that Shipman should have expected such an incident about once a year. However, um, no. <laughs> however, That's not this is clearly not the case here. No. So according to the Shipman report, I got a lot of fucking information from this, by the way. Mm. There's like loads of different... Um, my brain stopped. <laughs> yeah, sorry. There's different like... <laughs> thanks. There's yeah, lots of different like... Chapters? I want to say like editions of it. So there's like the yeah. Shipman Report volu- volumes. There's volume. like volume one, volume two, volume whatever. Yes. There is so much information in here, and yeah. I it was so helpful. And if if you are genuinely interested in this case, it's a lot of really heavy reading about lots of very like technical stuff and really like niche stuff. Mm. But it's so interesting. It sounds interesting. So according to the Shipman Report, in the six months before his arrest. In the six months before he was arrested, so <laughs> okay. just the last six months where he was being a doctor, I've got it six months. He signed <laughs> fuck off. He signed death certificates for thirty-one patients. What? Of what? those thirty, no. of those thirty-one. <laughs> oh my god! So he signed the death certificates for thirty-one. That's not saying he was there. That's saying he signed the That's death saying certificates. He killed them. Wait, Charlie. No, wait. Yes. Of those thirty-one who died under his care, he happened to be present for seven of them in six months. That's still way too much. Yes, I am concerned. <laughs> yes. I am alarmed. I'm sticking flags in this guy. So I'm sending him to jail. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I'm revoking his medical license. But <laughs> eventually, <laughs> after he got charged with killing people, <laughs> so none of these seven people were terminally ill or expected oh to die in some way. I hate this they guy. were perfectly healthy before he came around. And he apart from lives, usual one of the mill things, yeah, like that you'd go to a doctor for, mm-hmm. they literally just happened to die while he was there. That's so fucking. Not only mm-hmm. this, no, it gets crazier. No, how? How? I will tell you how. So right, we've got so right the last six months that he was a practicing GP, right? Yeah. In those six months. He signed the death certificates for 31 patients, it's right? Just We've got to those. Me. What? When he's getting like gaps in his patient clientele, yeah. he'll be accepting more. Yes. Oh, because no. everybody. It's a, do you remember? It's a mill of killing people. <laughs> it's just horrific. Like, do you remember <laughs> in the last episode, there was some woman who was like, my mom got so, accept- so excited when she was accepted onto Shipman's waiting list yeah. of patients. 
Probably because he just fucking killed someone. Yeah. So he could accept this new one. Like, oh, my my mother just passed away, you know, by you, maybe. Do you want to look after my kids as well? Like, no. He's... Stop taking our patients. Just, anyway, I'm... Right. Yeah. I'm going to make this six point. Months. I'm going to... Right, so six months. These are just the most recent six. It's not even yeah. the whole... Most recent six months. Most recent six months, 31 patients he signed the death certificate for, right? Right. Seven of those people... He just happened to be there when they randomly died, <laughs> right? Yeah. Of those 31, excluding the seven where we said he was actually there the moment they died, right. he revealed in the medical records that he'd visited eight of them at their homes shortly before their deaths, maximum four hours before. Right. Do you follow? Yeah. This pattern is repeated each year going back in his records. Oh. So there was like 31 yeah. people in the last six months that died and he was like yep they died yeah. seven of them he was dead then yeah eight of them he literally saw them like two hours before they happened to die and then dipped yeah. and then dipped mm-hmm. let the so, morphine sell in one of them yeah that's that's literally what, that's he, what he was he doing yeah. so dr grenville also notes how unusual it is for the notes that shipman made regarding the deaths to be so brief if a doctor is present he explains to the inquiry it's mm-hmm. normal for the doctor to make extensive notes to sort of cover their own backs definitely because yeah. if the doctor explains that they did everything they could the mm-hmm. family can be reassured that it wasn't anyone's fault it was just natural etc etc however shipman would literally just write a couple of words each time well like, like dead <laughs> yes yes basically <laughs> yep dead. why did no one's gonna go malpractice i just Oh, it's just don't like my clearly okay relative is now dead, <laughs> and you're writing fuck all about it. <laughs> I've seen some of this, and he literally just wrote like he wrote like the time, and then like found expired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or I like heart attack question mark. <laughs> Seriously, this is fucking real. Very dead, rigid, smiley face. He didn't put emojis in there. He wanted to. <laughs> So that money he was like. So Dr. Granville also makes a point on how unusual the position of the bodies is in each instance. Did he set up? So yes. What? So <laughs> What? I thought you knew this. Maybe my my brain remembered, Your but I felt like brain. I was guessing. No, I think I did mention this last time. I think you probably did. I think I did. So in many of the victims of Shipman, they were found peacefully sitting on their sofas or armchairs, looking as though they'd simply just fallen asleep. We know that this is because he would administer a huge overdose of morphine while they were sitting so comfortably. Mm -hmm. So he'd be like, you just sit there, I'm just going to take a blood sample or whatever. And they'd go, okay. And they'd be like, okay. And they'd sit there and relax. (sighs) And then, yeah. They would unknowingly consent to that kind of... Yeah. No, there's no kind of. They would unknowingly be like, yes, please stick this needle in me and they wouldn't have had a clue what his intentions were it makes me so upset this whole thing is so fucked up it's so fucked he's so disgusting this is what the more i learn about him the Mm -hmm. more that i just realize i hate him yeah like i hate this person i Mm -hmm. hate him so much so (laughs) i know that people are going to be like she's got a justice boner yeah Yeah, i do it's huge so (laughs) (laughs) Embrace that moment. (laughs) So, let me get back to it. So, Grenville explains that as a death, that death is a process rather than an instantaneous event. Yeah, you don't become dead. So, well, you do. Yeah, but it's a process. I feel like you were just repeating what I kind of did. (laughs) So, right. Death is something that happens to you. It's something that your body goes through. 
it's not just like it's like dead yeah unless like it's something really crazy like you get hit by a train then you're pretty instantly dead but like if you die and if something in your body fails and you die Mm. it doesn't just happen immediately it is in the vast majority of times like he said a process so it's normal for people to have a few seconds of oh fuck where they realize something is wrong where they grab at something try and get up Mm. And then once you die, the muscles all relax. So whatever you were trying to do, you tend to fall over as you were doing something. Mm. So like a lot of people, this isn't written here. This is just me. So a lot of people who've had like heart attacks or strokes, like one of the symptoms of something like this coming on is you feel this really sudden sense of dread because your body knows that something is wrong, but you don't, you don't know what's wrong, but you know that something is is fucked definitely imminent yeah it's so that kind of it it happens yeah so granville explains that a death from a heart attack for example is very very unlikely to leave somebody sitting in a chair looking peaceful the person usually has a few minutes to try and call for help reach a phone find someone yeah even just to lie down to try and feel better they wouldn't be sat they would be just anything else you don't literally anything else embrace it you'd yeah your instinct to survive would definitely kick in. Yeah, so Granville goes on to make yet another damning point against Shipman. Mm. In exceedingly few, if any, cases had resuscitation or life-saving measures on exactly. been attempted at all. Mm-hmm. It is the very bare minimum that when a doctor comes upon a patient who appears unresponsive, the patient should be placed in the recovery position and an ambulance called immediately. That's literally, that's the basic shit. That's what you, he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. That's what they're literally trained is to preserve life that's Mm -hmm. it a patient who appears deceased should have cpr performed immediately and until an ambulance arrives for the paramedics to take over the life-saving measures yeah shipman never did this it's because he knew he injected him with morphine so he's like yeah he wanted them to be dead yeah he as we mentioned earlier, he actually went as far as to fake calls to medics so that his <laughs> victims would not be revived. Instead, move. Shipman actually had the audacity to tell his victims' families that resuscitation would have been inappropriate for one reason or another. Well, what is that one reason or another? Oh, he would just make up random shit. I don't know. Nah, but like, like, like the families would be like, oh, are you going to do what? CPR? And he'd be like, no. Like, well, can I do it then? Yeah, it's Move just... Aside. Yeah. Shit, doctor. But... You're going to like this. But what reasons did Shipman give for people just dropping dead in his presence? This is where some of his audacity comes out. I have some When quotes. you say I like this, do you mean I'm going to hate this? I mean, you might find it entertaining the fact that he's so fucking stupid. He didn't go like, oh, well, I'm Dr. Death. He didn't give himself a nickname, did he? No, I mean, the media called him Dr. Death. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Brain. <laughs> Come on back, Brain. guys. <laughs> so, I, th- I think it's just the audacity is going to make you laugh because it's so preposterous. Uh-huh. So, okay. All right. I'm ready. It's clear that at work and home, he is very accustomed to people just taking his word for it. Yeah. So okay. literally anything that comes out of his mouth is to be believed immediately. Mm. I shall read some quotes from the inquiry oh, no. of things he actually said when questions about the deaths. And he was saying this stuff to please. To this is stuff that witnesses like so other doctors, oh. um, so family members, people. witnesses would say he said this. Right. Okay. So gotcha. quote. Okay. So these sentences are all separate quotes. All right. When I arrived, she was breathing her last. 
She suddenly <laughs> took a turn for the worst. <laughs> really? I turned around to get my stethoscope out of my bag, and she just collapsed and died. <laughs> I was telephoning for an ambulance, and she just gave one cough. <laughs> I could see that she had died. She just died while I was examining her. This is not... End quote. I feel like that was she, really terrible she slam poetry. and gave me the deaf cough. Yep, the sorry. deaf cough. The deaf cough. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. So, so do not laugh. So, yeah. so we're laughing. Uh-huh. I just want to reiterate: if anyone's oh, getting pissy that we're laughing, mm-hmm. it's not because any of this is funny. It's because the fact that he thought people would believe this is funny. Yeah, the fact that ridiculous. this guy is so fucking stupid and arrogant and conceited that he would say these ridiculous statements is laughable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're Just in him. case someone's offended, I'm laughing at Harold Shipman for being a massive cunt. Yeah. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, making he's that clear. His feathers up way too much. Yeah. So Shipman oh was God. also seen sometimes to be leaving a person's house, right? So people would see him leave. Yeah. The neighbors would just go in and find them dead. Shipman would be called back. They'd be yeah. like, oh shit, Dr. Shipman, come back. <laughs> and he'd just be like, oh my God, she suddenly must have died. Like, you see the time? <laughs> You hear the death cough? No, I don't like this So, guy. sometimes like Shipman would also lie on the cremation form, adding that someone else was... No, 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 no. I don't no. even lie down for a second. No, like, he, would, oh. he would tell lies. So, he okay. would say that someone else was present at the death, like a neighbour or a family member, oh. when in fact they were not, to mm. make it seem less suspicious that it's just him that's like the death magnet. Yeah. So, I told you earlier how Shipman raided the medicine cabinets of his patients for drugs once they had died mm-hmm. or been fucking murdered by him. Yes. The inquiry revealed that some of his details... The fucking... God. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know. I just... I just stopped. So, I'll start that again. Okay. The inquiry revealed that some of... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I can't the read. has got some of the stop. Right, I'm gonna right. <sighs> the inquiry revealed some of the details of his crimes here. One patient, Raymond Jones, was prescribed large amounts of dimorphine for pain relief. After his death in 1993, Shipman took the remainder of Mr. Jones' supply for himself and did not destroy it at the pharmacy as he was supposed to. Between 1994 and 1995, he also prescribed large amounts of dimorphine to patients who did not need it and it was never administered to, so he could claim the prescriptions for himself. Because mm. remember, he used to pick up prescriptions and give them to people at the houses because he was so nice. Yeah. He'd just take the dimorphine. Mm-hmm. So, in 1996, he removed another large quantity from a patient's home. The police found a few ampules of the drug when his home was searched in 1998, but most of it was gone. The inquiry calculated that between the amount he stole from his patients and the amount that was left at his house, he had used enough to cause the death of 360 people. Oh, shit. So, he'd been, like, recycling them to kill. Well... This is the thing. He was also found to have used some of the morphine for himself as he was very clearly still addicted to drugs. So yeah, so he would kill people, take all the extra morphine he prescribed to them Mm -hmm. to like keep his supply coming in. He would then use some of it to get himself high and then he would use some of it to murder other people. Like the death supply. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of medication. It's a lot. 
to cause the enough to cause the deaths of three hundred and sixty people. I'm surprised. How much no morphine cap would on how you much need? You can for three hundred and sixty yeah, people to OD on it. Fuck done. Yeah. How does that not raise any alarms? Like, oh, this person's being prescribed such an amount by such a guy. Well, do you remember with the pethidine? Like his yeah. colleagues noticed. Wait, <laughs> there's a lot of pethidine going on here. Mm-hmm. Here, he set up his own practice. True, he is his own boss. There was nobody there mm-hmm. except him Silly to me. look at this. You'd think. I wonder how many different pharmacies pharmacies he went to mm-hmm. he couldn't have yeah. just had one exactly because they'd have been like we're out of stock what do you think happened <laughs> they'd be like we have no more morphine you, you took it all you drank it all <laughs> you prescribed yourself too much <laughs> oh my god and jog on me so the inquiry reveals that the first suspected victim of shipment he wouldn't even jog on he'd run he'd run because he was he a distance runner like a fucking weirdo so policy. like I was about to say something very serious when you interrupted me so. the first suspected victim of shipment was Eva Lyons who died on March the 17th 1975 while he was still at the Todd Mudden practice so this is going back mm. 20 years before Many he got years. discovered yeah. and this is how early he started wow. and nobody had a fucking clue mm. so Eva his is his only confirmed victim while working at that practice in Todmorden. So she was suffering from terminal cancer and was given an injection of morphine while her husband was present. What? There's a few instances here. Um, I've not gone into them because literally this is just me, but looking at it made me sad. So I was like, just I just can't do it. Um, spouses and other relatives would be there. And he'd be like, oh, I'm just going to give her something to ease her pain. And he'd inject it while the husband was there. Oh, my God. And his wife, and, and the wife would die. Mm-hmm. And then Shipman would, like, console the husband. And it's like, you literally just fucking murdered his wife. And it's like, I hate him so much. This is all the things I found out about him, I just hate yeah, him more. And it's like, vile. he's just the worst. Yeah. He doesn't deserve the word human. But I still... I have more. I have more. Mm Mm-hmm. So... (laughs) Just (laughs) splendid. (laughs) So... So, Dame Janet said in the inquiry, quote, Mrs. Lyons was the only Todd Mudden case in which I have reached a positive decision that Shipman had killed. However, there were six further deaths which aroused suspicion that Shipman might have caused them. In none is the evidence clear enough to enable me to reach a positive conclusion. End quote. It's good that they were mentioned. So there were six pe- So there were six others sure. in Todmorden aside from Eva Lyons, mm-hmm. who it looked a bit fucking hinky dinky, but there just yeah. was no evidence because it, the cases were so old. There was no medical records. There's probably no fucking bodies. No. There was literally nothing for them to go on. I think he fucking killed these other people. Oh, probably. Yeah. But they just didn't have any proof. Mm-hmm. But they Dame Janet was legally. like, this is fucked. These yeah. ones... These are shady. These are shady. I'm putting it in writing. Yeah. I don't like this. So an interesting yeah. thing is that the inquiry has discovered that his early victims were all much more significantly ill than his later victims. Mm, so in yeah. the beginning, mm-hmm. all the people he killed were like really fucking sick. It's because he was still practicing. So they... Here we go. So Dame Janet theorizes two reasons for this. Ah. It seems as though at first, Shipman might have convinced himself that by killing seriously ill people, he was doing them a favor. So he was actually heard to have made comments to families about their loved ones. He would say things to them about how, oh, such and such person wouldn't have wanted to live as a vegetable or be in a hospital with wires coming out of them or be a burden to their families. 
He actually said this to grieving people. Those are all things he said. I'm thoroughly not impressed. He said to people who had just lost their loved ones, oh, this loved one wouldn't have wanted to be a burden to you. I'm pretty sure that you would take a relative being a burden over them being dead. How did this guy not ever get jumped? I don't know how nobody punched him in his face. I don't know. I would be arrested. It's (laughs) So it's thought that these comments were him trying to convince himself that by murdering this person, he did the right thing. It's given him a bit of a saviour complex. Another, yes. So another reason, I mean, usually someone with a saviour complex saves somebody. Yeah, but they can do horrible things to people and think, yeah, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. But then he's, it's like, is he thinking he's mercy killing? Is that what this is? Mm. So the thing is, another reason for this is that if a person is terminally ill and they die, it's less likely to draw attention and suspicion because it's not wholly unexpected. The idea here is that Shipman intentionally chose his victims based on who would elicit the least amount of questions about their deaths. And those already ill and close to deaths would be easier for him to explain away. Shipman would also go on to kill people who had life-threatening conditions but were not necessarily terminal. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll explain it because I'm not convinced. So, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> no offense. So, That's for taken. example, Sarah Williamson and Laura Lynn died after being given a lethal overdose of morphine after suffering from heart attacks. So, a heart attack is a life threatening condition, but it's not terminal. Yeah. Do you follow? So, a heart attack yeah. can kill you, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily definitely going to kill you right? So he graduated from going to people whose conditions were definitely going to kill them. Mm -hmm. He then started killing people who had something that might kill them, Mm -hmm. but it might not have. And rather than treat the heart attack and get the women to hospital where they might be saved and go on to live, he simply chose to kill them instead. I hate him too. So there are three people in the inquiry who were found to have been killed while in the process of bereavement themselves. What? Yeah. So I hate this. I hate this so much. So Mavis Pickup, Harold Eddieston and Leah Fogg were all killed by Shipman within weeks of their spouses dying. I'm just saying he didn't kill the spouses that had previously died because I was like, did he kill their spouse and then kill them? That was my thought. I looked into it. He didn't. He just seemed to decide that they were so miserable alone, they'd be better off if he killed them. Uh, so did he morphine kill them too? Yeah. What? 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 No. So he really was so arrogant that he thought his opinions of whether or not someone would be better off living or dying was more important than the person's own opinions. Okay, this is more like a god complex. Like, I'm just oh, yeah, who's no. living and who's dying. Well, this is what I mean. This whole this... thing about his life history, about his relationship with his wife, his relationship with his kids, his mm. relationships with his colleagues, even yeah. going back to college when it was group work and yeah. people were like, he's an insufferable twat. <laughs> he, it's his own opinions... This. Mm-hmm. was so important and his whole life it's got bigger and bigger and bigger until he's now literally looking at someone's life mm-hmm. and deciding based on the things that he knows about their life mm-hmm. whether or not they'd be happier if he killed them or not that's how important his own opinions are to him the audacity yeah indeed. so sometimes it wasn't even down to the person being so ill that shipman thought they'd be better off dead sometimes this particular serial killer just murdered people out of spite. I have examples. Oh, no, you no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Ronnie Devonport was only 57 when he was murdered by Harold Shipman. No, that's a lot of A lot of his victims are really old, like mostly very elderly women. But Mm -hmm. Ronnie was 57. Ronnie was known to be quite a demanding patient. He was a hypochondriac (laughs) and he took up a lot of time. He was one of those people. He just thought everything was wrong with him. Every time he had a cough or a headache or his finger hurt, he was like, oh my God. This is the death cough. Yep. So he's like... (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) So he had a lot of requests of his doctors and he needed a lot of attention. He was found dead in his home the day after Shipman paid him a home visit. (laughs) He's not subtle. He's he's like, I can get away with everything. Watch. (laughs) I can make this hypochondriac die (laughs) and you'll all think it was an accident. But he got away with it. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. I can bullshit a joke like that, but that's what happened. So Ivy Lomas was anxious and depressed and she had regular appointments with Shipman for these afflictions. He actually killed her at his practice. She died. She died in his office. After her murder, he made a joke to police constable Philip Reed that she had been such a nuisance that he thought about having a seat in his waiting room specifically for her with a plaque on it that said, quote, seat permanently reserved for Ivy Lomas, end quote. He made that joke to a police officer after he murdered her. That's a horrible joke. That's horrible. What the fuck? He's a horrible little man. Joseph Joseph Bardsley killed her as well. Oh, he probably thought about and had a good chuckle to himself as he was injecting her with morphine. Yeah. So Joseph Bardsley was prescribed injections for his pernicious anemia, but what's that? (laughs) It's anemia of the pernicious kind. pernicious (laughs) pernicious <laughs> so anemia is where you don't have enough iron in your blood yeah. and pernicious i don't know what that is i should have looked it up <laughs> pernicious is something <laughs> well if, i mean i've heard i think something. it is i think pernicious people can be described as being pernicious can't they what does that mean though <laughs> i always thought being pernicious kind of meant that you were a bit like do you have it written down what do you mean that it says pernicious yeah. anemia yeah i always oh, thought pernicious meant you a bit like it. okay I don't know. I think I obviously don't know what it meant. I thought it meant something else. Pernicious. Mm. Pernicious. <laughs> I imagined it with two T's, you see. Oh. Yeah. There isn't even one I was like, T. pernicious? <laughs> no, no, no. So I always thought pernicious meant you were a bit, like, specific and a bit, like, fiddly. Finicky as well? Yeah, but I don't mm. think it means that because pernicious. it's used in relation to anemia. So I don't know. Anyway, I'm just revealing like my own ignorance. But the thing is, so, right, so he... Um, Shipman prescribed Joseph Bardley with injections for his anemia, but Joseph Bardley was like, I don't want these injections. That's fair, yeah. So Shipman called at his house to take a blood sample, no, but instead no, of drawing his blood, he murdered no, him with a morphine no, overdose, and he no, was no, no, found no. dead in his home on April 15th, 1984. Yeah. So he went against Shipman's wishes, Yeah, and he got killed. Well, John Greenhall took Shipman's advice about moving into a care home, but then backed out of his choice and went against Shipman's wishes. Several days later, mm. he was killed by Shipman at a home visit. That's crazy. This one is fun. particularly awful. There is more than one circumstance of Shipman treating an elderly couple, one of whom is healthy and one of whom is more seriously ill. Mm. He kills the healthier one so that the more <sighs> ill partner has to move into a care home. Mm. No, it's horrible. This is my least favorite That's thing so gross. this is my it's least controlling. favorite okay. and it's actually making me a little bit upset to talk about it right. so oof this is hard so lily taylor newby took care of her husband yeah who had alzheimer's okay and she resisted his pressure to put him in a home she was murdered in july 19- 1997 and her husband was put in the home 
The exact same thing happened to Doris Earls. She took care of her husband, who also had Alzheimer's. Shipman wanted him in a home. She said no, so he killed her on May 21st, 1997. And the husband, in this case, also ended up in a home. That's sick. It may it genuinely that that upsets me. Control. So he just cannot stand mm-hmm. other people thinking that they know better than him mm-hmm. or disagreeing with him in any way to the point where he would be murdering people left, right, and center because they disagreed with his opinions as the town's beloved doctor who knows everything. So fucking fragile. He definitely seemed to get a taste for it as he went along. Yeah. So, like we said, he only had one victim in Todd Modern Evil Alliance that's confirmed. Mm-hmm. This was 1975. There might have been others, but we can only be suspicious of this. Mm-hmm. His next confirmed victim was in 1978, three years later. And within a year of that, he murdered six more. He took a break here. Mm-hmm. He took a break. So, you know how sometimes serial killers have like cooling off periods? Yeah, yeah. This was not a cooling off period. This is no. a break. Okay. So, Alice Gorton's death did not go the way he intended, and it's thought that he was scared into oh. taking a break for a couple of years. Yeah, so, this is what happened. He thought Alice had died, right? Yeah. And her daughter was there. Mm-hmm. So, Shipman was telling the daughter that an autopsy would not be necessary. And as he was saying, an autopsy will not be necessary, <gasps> she stirred. So oh, Alice actually oh groaned. She wasn't dead yet. Wow. She actually survived unconscious for the next 24 hours. As some divine intervention. So Shipman was probably... I mean, she only survived for 24 hours. Yeah, no, but that's still something. Shipman was probably fucking shitting himself that she was going to wake up and tell people that he'd injected her with something. Good. So he, he took a break himself. for two years. Yeah. So he killed four between 1981 and 1983. Mm-hmm. And from 1984 onwards, he began to pick up his pace. So in mm-hmm. 1984, he killed nine people. In 1985, he killed 11. Gosh. And this pace kept going until he began to fall out with the other doctors at the Donnybrook practice in 1990. How is he not the worst doctor? I know. Like, you've got all these dead people. I know. So... The Only thing is, pen. a lot of people in Hyde, like, used to joke about how all his patients died. Oh, no. What? No, guys. Stop <laughs> having this lovely, morbid sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess hindsight is so okay. Hindsight still. is twenty twenty always, but still. Like, they always were like, ha-ha. All his patients died. <laughs> his patient like, won't see you next week. That's the kind of jokes they ah. used to tell each other. And it's like, no, he's really killing people. Yeah. So... Once he moved practice at the end of 1991, he started killing again much more frequently because Mm. he had his own place. And he was like, I have the space to kill as many people as I want. The number of his victims getting longer and longer per year until he was eventually caught in June 1998. By the time he was caught, he had firmly moved away from killing only the elderly and mainly women. And he was now murdering anyone he thought he might be able to get away with Mm -hmm. by just talking himself out of it. So some of his victims were barely above middle-aged. Several were in their 40s and 50s. Jesus. Yeah. So the Shipman Inquiry discovered that Shipman had killed 218 people. This number was later revised to include more victims and the total number is now settled at officially at least 250. That's shocking. Especially when you consider like in general how small the country is and then how small Manchester is like as yeah. well as that and then how small side is yeah. yeah all those people within that yeah <laughs> oh um, yeah and then the smaller community within Hyde did yeah. the amount of people just shrink yeah. down so to, the thing is to emphasize just how many people this is I'm going to read out all of their names at the end of the episode 
Oh, okay. And it's going to take ages. But I want to emphasise how many 250 people is. Because when... Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like, everyone that consumes, like, true crime media and stuff, you hear about serial killers of this guy killed, like, 15 people, this guy killed, like, 35 people. Mm -hmm. And you hear this sort of thing so often, you become very desensitised to, like, what that actually means. Mm -hmm. So for this one fucking loser to have taken 250 lives... I just want us all to really grip and hold on to what that fucking means. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to get to it. Awesome. So the Inquiry report was released in 2002. And once people realised the scope of just how many people had been murdered by one man, it sort of went a bit bonkers in the media over here. I remember it all coming out and people were talking about it. I don't remember being interested. (laughs) Because, I mean, I was was 12. So I'd started to get interested in, like weird stories and bits of crime but i think because shipman himself was quite old and a lot of his victims were quite elderly it didn't i didn't understand the severity i didn't understand the severity of it a different generation it was as well yeah it was like this is going with it exactly so it was the did you say jargon maybe that was weird anyway sorry so (laughs) i just thought so yeah, I think because it was very much the shipman and his victims were all old people. Mm-hmm. It didn't. It wasn't something that was really on my radar. But yeah. I, I remember seeing his face fucking everywhere. Yeah, I, I remember his picture and being like, "Yeah." <laughs> so shipman made the news again in two thousand and four when he was found dead in his prison cell. So he was hanging from the bars of his window with his bedsheets tied around his fucking neck. He never confessed to his crimes and he never revealed any information of any kind to anyone. When a terrible criminal such as Shipman dies, lots of people Mm -hmm. want to celebrate. Yeah, I don't want to celebrate him. The thing is, I can... Weirdly. Sorry, so I can understand why. So out of Mm. the two of us... Yeah. You are definitely the more vindictive one. Sure. <laughs> and yes. I've heard some of the shit you said about Ted Bundy getting the electric chair. Yeah. And it's not the sort of thing I would say. No, it's not. I've had messages from people I know yeah. on Instagram like, did you see your sister said that she's happy Ted Bundy got fried? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. So I feel very unsure about the death penalty, mm-hmm. but that's a different conversation. On one hand, I do think Shipman deserved what he got. If anyone deserves to be hanging from a prison cell window it's someone like him Mm. but then who are we to decide what someone deserves doesn't that make us as bad as him because he thought he could decide what people deserved no (laughs) (laughs) i just love how you seem to really think about it for a moment and you were like yeah no (laughs) so the thing is he chose to die i can definitely see why people would celebrate his death at the time the home secretary david blunkett said quote this is a secretary this is, is this the a home national sec- holiday not quite so <laughs> quote you wake up and you receive a call telling you shipments topped himself and you think is it too early to open a bottle and then you discover everyone's very upset that he's done it this is quote. very british <laughs> that's very british so our that home is, secretary wow. literally said <laughs> in a public statement that oh he God. wanted to open a bottle of champagne to celebrate <laughs> shipment killing himself but then he realized actually people aren't happy about this maybe yeah. i shouldn't like i i get why he'd want to say that because he said it he didn't want to say it he fucking said it no I, yeah so the thing is what motivated him to kill himself in 2004 because this was two years after the shipment report got released maybe At he what thought point, maybe i'm getting kind of to the age i might die I'll, I'll decide to do it now rather than it happening to me and i can't control that 
Maybe, maybe it was a control thing. I don't know. I think so. So How old was he? Just fifty-seven. Curious. Fifty-seven. Okay. Yeah. So mm. some people suspect that Primrose, his wife, who had stood by him all those years, was beginning to wonder if he really had done the awful things he'd been found guilty of. Right. You look confused. Yeah, because that doesn't explain bed sheets. <laughs> <laughs> Bed sheets. She like gestured to her own neck, which just made that so much better. Right. Let me. Let me help you. <laughs> Shipman was supposed to go to courses in prison that would have encouraged him to at least acknowledge his crimes, but he refused right. to do it. Okay. The refusal to participate had led to the removal of privileges, and one of these privileges was to talk to his wife on the phone. His cellmate at the time told... Can you imagine being stuck in a cell with this fucking small-handed, small-dick loser? You can't even kill him. Yeah. Right, so... His cellmate at the time told police that Shipman received a letter from Primrose in this period saying, quote, Tell me everything, no matter what. End quote. Oh. If she fully believed that he was completely innocent... She wouldn't have said... That's a way of her challenging him. Yeah. She oh, would not have said... She would not have said, tell yeah. me everything no matter what, if she believed him. Yeah. That's her oh. not being sure about what he's saying. Yeah. She's got some doubt and he's like, I can't even fool her anymore. Yeah. I'm what fucked. Yeah. So even after his death, Shipman was continuing to piss people off oh. as he made headlines again in 2005. Mm. It's It turns out that amongst all the crap in his house was £10,000 worth of jewellery. Ooh. I mean, not ooh, in a good way because it's probably his patient's jewellery. This is where I'm going. So police suspected that some of this was stolen from his victims and the items were investigated in secret. So Primrose might have been getting a bit hard up for money in March 2005 because she demanded the jewellery be returned to her. Oh no, 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 Primrose, no, no. So the families of the victims were pissed, as I'm sure you can imagine. So police wrote to the families of the victims and asked them to view the jewellery and tell them if any of it belonged to their murdered relatives. If so, could they provide photos of it? Mm-hmm. with the person yeah, who just owned to it. it yeah to prove which item belonged to which victim so it could be returned yeah good. only one piece of jewelry was returned <gasps> a platinum diamond ring which went back to the family of the person shipment stole it from i've gone cold so that got returned of oh, the 100 ish yeah. items that were taken from the house 66 of them were returned to primrose she was able to provide receipts and other proof that they actually belonged to her and none of these items were described by the families of victims. Right, so okay. all of the families' victims described items that they thought might be theirs, and none of them matched up to the 66 that Primrose got back. Okay. So family members were like, that's not mine. No. Yeah. So okay. also, these 66 pieces were all relatively low value, so they weren't expensive, uh, and they yeah. can be described as costume jewellery. So just like random shit that you'd get from like H&M or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the other 33 pieces could not have been proved to have belonged to any specific person, and Primrose confirmed that they were not hers. That makes me sad. And these were the more expensive ones. Because they were definitely someone's. They were someone's, but the family either just didn't know. Yeah, they may have been stored away safely anyway. Exactly. So they were deemed by the court to be proceeds of a crime and the asset recovery agency sold them at an auction. All the proceeds from the auction went to the victim support services in Tameside where Shipman killed the vast majority of his victims. Do you know who bought them? No, because all the auction stuff was done in secret and it was done where um, nobody knew that the items were 
murder victims. Oh, yeah. So it, they were just sold at auctions and it was like a listing where there was no information or anything given. So people oh. wouldn't have had a clue. Yeah. But all the proceeds from it went to support victims. See. So it it's something good some came of it, yeah. Turnover. So I personally think that the items that were auctioned off were stolen and people just couldn't mm-hmm. identify them as it happened so long ago. Yeah. And they belong to elderly relatives, so they might not mm-hmm. have seen the jewellery very often yeah. or they might not have had photographs to remind them what it looked like. Exactly, especially if it's like really old-timey generation photographs weren't common to yeah. have. So I'm going to close out by reading a list of shipments victims in order of when they were killed. All right. This might take a while, as there are an awful lot. So, obviously, Shipman killed people he thought would be easy to sweep under the rug. And the fact that he got away with it for so long and he was able to kill so many proves that he was unfortunately right. Because people might be a bit older, we as a society don't value them as much. However, each of these names I'm going to read had a life, had a story, they loved, they had adventures, they had experiences that belonged just to them. And he cut them down. And I think it's important that we remember not just a vast number, but that behind this huge, awful number are people who didn't get to say goodbye to their families. Eva Lyons, Sarah Hannah Marsland, Mary Ellen Jordan, Harold Bramwell, Annie Campbell, Alice Maud Gorton, Jack Leslie Shalmadine, May Slater, Elizabeth Ashworth, Percy Ward, Moira Ashton Fox, Dorothy Tucker, Gladys Roberts, Joseph Bardsley, Winifred Arrowsmith, Mary Winterbottom, Ada Ashworth, Joseph Vincent Everall, Edith Wibberley, Eileen Teresa Cox, Peter Lewis, May Brooks, Ellen Higson, Margaret Ann Conway, Kathleen MacDonald, Thomas Malt, Mildred Robinson, Frances Elizabeth Turner, Selina McKenzie, Vera Bramwell, Fred Kellett, Deborah Middleton, Dorothy Fletcher, Thomas Fowden, Mona Ashton White, Mary Tomlin, Beatrice Toft, Lily Broadbent, James Wood, Frank Halliday, Albert Cheatham, Alice Thomas, Jane Frances Rostron, Nancy Ann Brassington, Margaret Townsend, Nellie Bardsley, Elizabeth Ann Rogers, Elizabeth Fletcher, Alice Mary Jones, Dorothea Hill Renwick, Anne Cooper, Jane Jones, Lavina Robertson, Rose Ann Adshead, Alice Presswich, Walter Tingle, Harry Stafford, Ethel Bennett, Wilfred Chappell, Chapel. Sorry, I don't quite know that one. Um, Mary Emma Hamer, Beatrice Helen Clee, Josephine Hall, Hilda Fitton, Marion Caradis, Elsie Harrop, Elizabeth Mary Burke, Sarah Jane Williamson, John Charlton, George Edgar Weiser, Joseph Frank Wilcoxon, Dorothy Roweth, Mary Rose Dudley, Monica Reen Sparks, Hilda Mary Cousins, Olive Heigenbotham, Amy Whitehead, Mary Emma Andrew, Sarah Ashworth, Marjorie Parker, Nellie Mullen, Edna May Llewellyn, Emily Morgan, Violet May Bird, 
Jose Kathleen Diane Diana Richards, Edith Calverly, Joseph Lee, Eileen Robinson, Charles Edward Brocklehurst, Joan Milray Harding, Christine Hancock, Elsie Platt, Mary Alice Smith, Ronnie Devonport, Cicely Sharples, Alice Christine Kitchen, Maria Thornton, Henrietta Walker, Elizabeth Ellen Meller, John Bennett Molesdale, Alice Kennedy, Lucy Virgin, Netta Ashcroft, Lily Bardsley, Marie Antoinette Fernley, John Crompton, Frank Crompton, Vera Brocklehurst, Angela Philomena Tierley, Turney, Edith Scott, Clara Hackney, Renee L. Troud Overton, Kate Maud Sellers, Clifford Barnes Heapy, Bertha Moss, Brenda Ashworth, Ernest Rudolph, Ada Matley Hilton, Irene Eitken, Arthur Henderson Stopford, Geoffrey Bogle, Dora Elizabeth Ashton, Muriel Margaret Ward, Edith Brock, Charles Henry Barlow, Conrad Peter Ockford Robinson, Elizabeth Teresa Sigley, Kenneth Wambi Woodhead, Hilda Mary Hibbert, Erla Copeland, Jane Elizabeth Shelmerdine, John Shird Greenhall, Minnie Doris Irene Gulpin, Marjorie Hope Waller, John Stone, Elsie Godfrey, Edith Brady, Valerie Cuthbert, Lillian Cullen, Renee Lacey, Leah Fogg, Gladys Saunders, Nellie Bennett, Margaret Mary Vickers, Tom Balfour Russell, Irene Turner, Carrie Lee, Marion Elizabeth Higgum, Elsie Hannibal, Elsie Barker, Sydney Arthur Smith, Dorothy May Andrew, Anne Lillian Ralphs, Millicent Garside, Irene Heathcote, Samuel Mills, Thomas Cheaton, Kenneth Ernest Smith, Eileen Daphne Crompton, David Allen Harrison, Elsie Lorna Dean, Irene Bruder, Charlotte Benison, Charles Henry Killen, Betty Royston, Joyce Woodhead, Lizzie Adams, Rose Garlic, May Lowe, Mary Cutts, Elsie Cheatham, Jean Lilly, Lena Nora Slater, Ethel May Kellett, Doris Earls, Ivy Lomas, Vera Whittingslow, Maureen Lamonia Jackson, Muriel Grimshaw, John Loden Livesey, Lily Newby Taylor, Dorothy Doretta Hopkins, Nancy Jackson, Mavis Mary Pickup, Bessie Swan, Enid Otter, Florence Lewis, Mary Walls, Elizabeth Mary Badley, Marie Quinn, Elizabeth Battersby, Laura Kathleen Wagstaff, Blanca, sorry, Bianca Pomfret, Alice Black, James Joseph King, Mabel Shawcross, Nora Nuttall, Sissy Davis, Pamela Marguerite Hillier, Laura Frances Lynn, Irene Berry, Maureen Alice Ward, Joan Edwina Dean, Harold Edelston, Margaret Ann Waldron, Irene Chapman, Dorothy Long, Lily Higgins, Ada Warburton, Martha Mardley, Winifred Meller, Joan May Melia, and Kathleen Grundy. He killed all of those people. Thank I'm sorry goodness. if my cat came in while I was reading that. I'm going to try and edit her out, but she came in and I didn't want to stop reading. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Why are you doing this? I think she hates him too. I think she hates him too. Do you hate Harold Shipman? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was a solid yes. Um, before we close out, I want to tell you something really interesting. I don't know if mom talked to you about this. What? So, here we go. <laughs> is right, this so, been really it? It is. I mean, she did tell me to, like, always tell me what the doctors said to me. Which is excellent advice, but no. Yeah. So, <laughs> the other day, I met up with mum. Obviously, if you're just listening, Sophie and I are sisters. We have the same name. So, I refer to our <laughs> mum as mum. So, I met up with mum for a coffee, and I was telling her that, oh, um, I uploaded the most recent episode. It's part what It's, it's going to be a two-parter. It's about Harold Shipman. Mm. And mum was like, oh, I remember all that happening. And she was saying about how she remembers it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, she and was then really she was that. saying, and then she was saying, do you remember what Father Dennis said to your dad? Cool. So a little bit of context here. So our family's Catholic and mm-hmm. Sophie and I were baptised when we were little. Yeah. And the priest that baptised us is called Father Dennis. Mm-hmm. And his name is Father Dennis. I think it's, his last name, I think is M-A-H-E-R. So it's, mum says it's Mer. Oh. He's Irish. I don't know yeah. how it's pronounced exactly. Um, but but anyway, so I, th- I think that's it. But because, so growing up, our family was really like in the church. So we were yeah, really close we were. with lots of other people that were in the same church as us in the same, in the same parish. Our dad did a lot of work with the parish. So he, he was always really, really close friends with like the priests. So yeah. we just always call the priest by their first name. So it's Father Dennis to us. Mm-hmm. So Father Dennis baptized me. He did. Did he baptise you or was that Father Tony? That was Father Tony's. Oh, okay. So... Little Baptiste. Yeah, so... We knew Father Dennis really well. Yeah. And so when (laughs) Mum said, did Dad ever tell you what Father Dennis said to him? I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm suspicious now. I wanted to save this to tell you on air because (laughs) this is really interesting. And I said, Mum, back up. Give me a little bit of context. And you know what Mum's like for telling a story. Oh, yeah. So this took a a while, but I got there in the end. It turns out that after Father Dennis left our parish, he went to Hyde. No. Yeah. So Father Dennis was the priest at the church where all of Shipman's victims got buried. Oh, my God. Yeah. No. And... When this whole thing was going on in 1998 and they were exhuming the bodies for the trial, oh my God. Father he... Dennis had to be present <gasps> because it was his churchyard oh my that they gosh. were digging up. It's consecrated holy ground, so he yeah. had to be there. And stand there while yeah. they, they... And he called up Dad on the phone to talk to him about it. Oh, my... Oh! To tell him how awful it was. Oh, my gosh. Obviously, they didn't tell us that because well, no. I was eight. We were, were children, yeah. yeah. But I only found this out, like, last week. Oh, my God. And I was like... What the fuck? Dad's kept that way. So I did a little time. bit, but I the chances of this though. So yeah, I did a little bit of googling because I was like, I'm shocked that Father Dennis is still going because he was exactly old. he survived. He this. was he was old when he, he baptized me. By so yeah, no, he wasn't. He so um, Father Dennis has actually been really outspoken about what a shitbird Harold Shipman is. 
he um at the time when it all came out he was very vocal against harold shipman he actually so while shipman was alive and in prison so after he got convicted but before he killed himself Mm. father dennis was actually like campaigning really hard to be allowed to go in to visit shipman in prison to interrogate him himself wow to like talk to him to try and get some answers out of him this example he was trying really hard and as well he's actually recently been in a documentary i've not watched it yet but he's actually been in a documentary (laughs) talking about how he fucking hates harold shipman this is incredible and i was like fuck yeah (laughs) this is so like but yeah like i just couldn't believe it's a crazy coincidence and when like i was looking into all this i was like fuck i have to tell sophie and then i was like i kind of want to tell you (laughs) on the episode just because it's so crazy no i'm glad you did but it's good but i wasn't sure if mum was gonna tell you because i thought that she might get home from seeing me at cafe Mm -hmm. nero and then be like oh guess what i told charlie today bloody blah yeah yeah Yeah. i thought that that might happen so i'm glad that didn't happen no Um, it's great because dad a couple of times when he's mentioned father dennis is that he's quite ballsy yeah it doesn't shock me and he, he doesn't he doesn't take fuck shit. around. Yeah, he exactly. doesn't take any shit. Well, he didn't take any shit from the fucking worst serial killer that England's ever made. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah, he was like, let like, me in prison with proud. him. I want to fucking talk to him. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so I looked into it, and there's like news articles with him in it, and he did not shut the fuck up about it. Wow. He was very much like, fuck this guy. <laughs> I'm really proud. Yeah, me too. It's really cool. Wow. But anyway, I just wanted to put that in there. So, Thank you. yeah, I got baptized. By the guy a that was like, priest. fuck Harold Shipman. Yeah, that's really cool. So. You were blessed with contempt. <laughs> I'm kidding. But yeah, it's just... Justifying contempt. Just, <laughs> justify contempt. <laughs> Holy contempt. <laughs> but yeah, so I really want to watch the documentary that um, Father Dennis is now. actually in. It's... Uh, What's yeah. it called? Do you know I can't what? remember. I'll, I need to relook it up because I've not actually written any of this down. I just... <laughs> this is I've very... Just, I've just been like off the cuffing this last bit now. Yeah. Um, It'll come up on a Google search. Yeah, yeah. If you, yeah, yeah. If you type in Father Dennis Harold Shipman, you get mm-hmm. like a picture of Father Dennis. Mayor. I, I, he's just Father Dennis to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and yeah, it's really cool. That is amazing. I'm wonderfully stunned. But yeah, I think. Oh, what was it? Yeah, in the in the new documentary, there was a quote in an article that I read where he was saying about how when it was happening and Shipman was being accused. He was just like, I really hope all this isn't true, but if it is, fuck this guy. Yeah. Kind of that, like, you know what mm, I mean? Yeah. I'm going to have to look this up again now because I can't remember. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, I just really wanted to tell you. And I know I've that- you told me. That's like a weird thing to end on. No, but And it's, it's like wonderful. weirdly personal, but like, mm. I, th- I think when, when all this was in the papers, yeah. I didn't, right. So when I, my experience of this is when I was eight. And this was all blowing up. And then when the rec- the the report came out in 2002, I was 12. And when he killed himself, I was 15. So all the times when he was on the front page, when you see something in the newspaper, it kind of distances it from you. Yeah. Because it's on the news. It's mm-hmm. not here. It's on the news. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So even though it's said in it, oh, it's in Hyde, oh, it's in Todmorden, oh, it's Tameside. Yeah. It didn't really register how close that is. Yeah, it's like a 20 minute drive away I didn't realise how local all of this was until I really started looking into it and then I was like fuck mm. it's real close yeah but yeah and then just having this like weird must have been a personal bombshell. link to it as well is like wow That's shit really... this is this is local <laughs> <laughs> this is like real really close. close to home yeah uh, and it's yeah. fucked up 
and yeah, so I just wanted to end on that weirdly personal note because mm. yeah, so yeah, it's nice to hear. Sorry, I just randomly put that in there at the end. No, do it. Um, Go yeah, for it. I love it. Anyway, I hope that everyone listening despises Howard Shipman as much as I do because it's a lot. We do. Um, I hope that you didn't skip any of those names. Yeah, if you did, go back and be. Well, you know what? Even if I bet anyone that did skip, Mm -hmm. I bet if they press that little button on Spotify that skips you ahead 15 seconds, I bet you had to press it a few times to get through all those names. Yeah. Because there was a fucking lot of people. And it took time. And it took time for me to read that out because there was Mm -hmm. 250 people that he took away from their families. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to emphasize. Mm -hmm. You did that out of respect. If people are going to skip that, they've disrespected that. I I don't know. I'm not going to... Yeah. I've got a justice burner. I don't have a superiority burner, but, like, I do... Mm. Yeah, I want to do it right. Um, anyway, I hope you didn't enjoy it, mm. but I hope that you've learned something. Mm. Maybe enjoyed that weird little snippet at the end. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed hearing about, like, story. our priest. Yeah. Um, And I hope you enjoyed all the times I called Harold Chipman a cunt. <laughs> Um, and I also hope that you have a wonderful day doing whatever you're doing mm-hmm. and that you just be a nice person. Don't be like Harold Shipman. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's all I have. I don't have anything else. Mm. Um, yeah, if you want to listen to us discuss more things, please send us a message on Instagram at Creeps and Crime Storytime. Yeah, see you there. Or a Gmail a Gmail, an email. <laughs> God, I'm so old. Or oh, send me an email send at creepsandcrimestorytime at gmail.com if you have a case suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to hear us just talk shit about other criminals, yeah, I would love it. to do it. Um, that's it. So, thanks. Yeah, thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Bye.